everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 115. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by my other two co-hosts, Jesse Cox and Alex Bassiane, yeah. the, law, the lawmen of the West. What? The sheriffs. That's what you are. You're sheriffs of the West. Nah, I'm criminal. Let's this be real. Crazy. Oh, okay. It's just crazy that you're in Texas. I know. And you're like, you guys are the sheriffs. I'm like, dude, you're Listen, like dude. a Texas guy. There's always, yeah, like, there's always something more West. That's true. Very true. Also, I mean, I was born and bred in like New England. I'm not really a Texan. That's I'm true. Like, I get I'm, I'm, I'm like a spy. One yeah. of our presidents was was from New England, claimed he was from Texas, and everyone was like, he's from Texas. So like, you can do whatever he's you want. So oh, Texas. Yeah. I'm Texan, guys. Hello, there my, uh, my uh, yeah. Texas, uh, Texas listeners. I am now one of you. Uh, hello. Welcome. Welcome to what is inevitably, hopefully, the part of the Atlantis story that uh, feels a little bit more grounded than our uh, last episode. We'll talk about that in much more detail, though, uh, because something that isn't legend is the benefits you get at Patreon. Isn't that right, Alex? Yes, you are right about that. And <laughs> let me tell you something. Patreon, it's just, it's great. And, and, and <laughs> I, you know, it's hard for me to tell as one of the three people who directly benefit from this, not even three, five, six people, who six, def- six people that benefit from this yeah, now, this who Patreon. directly benefit from this, whose meal tickets are on the line. I don't know who the site's better for, honestly, me or you, because, you know, we're out here. This is how we get our paychecks. We don't have to worry right now. We're, we don't have to be creatively compromised in any way. You know what I mean? We don't have to worry about it because the money's there. You oh, know, I'm that's great for us. And, and, but for Bible. them at home who are paying on the Patreon, like I want to I wish I could get mini sods of my favorite podcast right after the the podcast episode dropped and i wish that my favorite podcast got all kinds of sick art and i wish i got free merch not free merch but you know i wish i got sick merch from my favorite podcast before everybody else got you know what i'm saying a lot of cool benefits to being on patreon.com slash illuminati pod and i think it's worth heading down there if you've never been there before just to see how you feel try it on you know Dressing rooms are open again at department stores. Who doesn't miss that? Who didn't need that? And I'm saying head to patreon.com slash pod. You can just try it on for a side. Try on the figurative Patreon jacket, if you will. Try it on. See how you feel in it. You know, walk around oh, yeah. and imagine if you could get mini sods all the time. Back to you in the studio. I uh, I don't know what happened during that pitch, but for some reason I'm on the Patreon website and my pants are missing. That's what I want from you. That's what I want from everyone. So head down to patreon.com slash Chilluminati pod where you can become part of the Chilluminati family. Today. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Everyone who skipped ahead 10 seconds at a time in order to get to this point. Nice of you to join us. Thanks for coming back. You skipped over the ad, but you're here now. You know what? If if you if you aren't on this page no, by still, now, we, we're still we there back to skipping. They're skipping I again. Say, I imagine what ten heard. seconds at a time. They're like, boop, boop, boop. you know what? While you boop 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 boop. Yeah. They're like, is he talking about something else or is he? And then I'm like, and that's the best part about being on this website. Patreon.com slash ChillingPod. Patreon.com slash ChillingPod. Patreon.com slash ChillingPod. Wow. I'm loving Thank it. You. That's you the, that's my at least two people. My so. new slogan is. That. Patreon.com slash Chilinati Pod. I'm loving it. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, nobody's ever used that uh, before. I don't, I don't think it's going to catch on. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Chilinati Pod. Just do it. How about that? No, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Patreon.com slash Chilinati Pod. The happiest pace, place even on earth. What do you think about that? <laughs> I Forget about like the pace part. I don't want to get sued by the Celsius <laughs> company, but you know, give me an Atlantis, Atlantis themed New like, York City. Yeah. <laughs> I'm drowning in benefits. And speaking of drowning, Mathis, I think we have a little episode to do. We do. We have an episode today to do, boys. We do. Uh, It is time to now begin the second and final part of the lost city of Atlantis. Oh, what a shame. (laughs) I hope they find it soon. (laughs) Well, last week was filled with facts from ear to ear, divined by those with the gift to interpret trans-dimensional beings on a higher plane whose mission is to educate us so that we may raise our own vibrations on this meager third dimension and raise the collective unconsciousness to the next phase of human spiritual evolution. This week's episode will be taking a decidedly different tone. 
Woof. Well, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It still seems well, like we're lying to people, but okay. <laughs> no, no, not today, my man. Reporting fa- non-factual information as reported <laughs> isn't the same as lying, okay? Sometimes <laughs> exactly. you got to do that for cultural purposes. That's what we're <laughs> doing on this show. So we are not experts. We are armchair enthusiasts at best. Yes. That's Patreon. actually important to point out. Like, we will be touching on a lot of scientific stuff today. So there's little minor aspects of like whatever theory it is that I'm speaking about that I may have gotten wrong. I apologize. I did my best to understand as much of this as I could. Um, but I am not a scientist. Surprising nobody. So that's there's a lot a, to. That's truth right there. <laughs> I believe I'm a UF, in science. I'm a UF, ufologist. A ufologist. You are what, not that either. Uh, ufologist <laughs> is such a great name for that, too. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a goofologist. <laughs> nice. Hey, yo, Hell it's yeah. a good one. Garsh, am well, I right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, while it's fun to hear about the crazy side of Atlantean conspiracy, I posit that the reality of Atlantis is equally as interesting, if not more so. For as much drama as there may be between those who believe in the insane conspiracy of Atlantis and those who want to take a more realistic approach to it, within the scientific world of Atlantis, there exists just as much between those who believe Atlantis was real in some fashion or another and those who believe any research and searching done for for it is an enormous waste of time, energy, and resources and want nothing more than to leave it behind as a simple story told by Plato. And for the rest of us, there's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. (laughs) Right. And that was a great game. Great game. No, garbage they, game. Sharks. Too many sharks. Uh, Far dude, too many you know, sharks. Jesse, this is a tangent. Assassin's Creed, uh, the new one, where you play as the hot redheaded chick that I Assassin's custom Creed made Beowulf. to a hot redheaded chick. Oh. Much better. No sharks. Zero <laughs> sharks. Landlocked. You gotta play Subnautica, Jesse. Amazing. Uh, not game. only have I played it, it, that game is a horror game. And anyone who says otherwise game, is mad. It, you know what? It kind of is, though, right? Like, it for is, real? No, it absolutely has yeah. horror tones and horror aspects. The dark parts of the sea and the distant roars of the creatures. No, that shit's too much for me. That's the right. worst game ever made. Whoever made well, that game, pull you, terrible person. Let me person. pull you into the sea of Atlantis with me right now, Jesse. Oh, they, you definitely know they got Atlantean monsters down there. Oh, 100%. No, thank you. <laughs> And while uh, and so while some of the scientists who want to leave the story behind might be right, it would be no fun to completely ignore the interesting signs and ruins that maybe just maybe Atlantis was real in some fashion. Now, last week, I said that there was some precedent for using ancient texts and old tales to find lost cities once to be uh, once believed to be a legend like the city of Troy. However, I also said that there was a notable difference between something like Troy and Atlantis. And while, yes, Atlantis is mentioned in an ancient text with a surprising amount of detail, Plato's stories are the only place that you can see Atlantis directly referenced. While Troy had been mentioned multiple times outside of the original stories as well. Mentionings of it uh, being a trading city and so on randomly through ancient texts gave enough credence to to the belief that it was real. And through cross-referencing texts, they were able to pinpoint where they believed and were correct about the city of Troy's location. So without all that in mind, I'll be breaking this episode down into kind of two parts. Atlantis, if it were a real place and Atlantis, if it were a reference to a real place by the end, maybe you'll have an idea as to why this topic is so frustrating for some an endless source of mystery for others. Before we dive too deep into these two sections, we have to begin with what Plato exactly wrote about in his two works, the Timaeus and the Cretius. It would be impossible, obviously, for me to cover all of it, but I'll give you the best summary of it that I possibly can. First, it's a very common belief that this story is about someone telling Plato about Atlantis, that Plato himself got the story more or less first or second hand. However, there's actually zero evidence behind this, as the story of Timaeus and Cretius is about a uh, is about a story of a story. In itself, the narrator is already unreliable. It starts with Socrates, surrounded by Timaeus, Cretius, and Hermocrates. Is I believe how you say that name. Uh, Hermocrates. Hermocrates is like what my brain so desperately wants to say. <laughs> it sets the scene by reminding everyone that the previous uh, Socrates sets the scene rather by reminding the three people that are with him that the previous day. He had given a speech on the ideal city, a reference to his uh, Plato's work, The Republic. 
He asks his three companions to each tell a story to illustrate his idea of a perfect city. Hermocrates suggests that Croesus should start, and he does by saying his tale is, quote, a very strange one, but even so, every word of it is true. Immediately, uh, the book we're reading by Plato tells of someone else, uh, tells of someone else who knows well, uh, who knows Socrates well. And this particular story is getting a, is getting the story secondhand from someone else, Croesus. So Croesus continues that the story comes from his very old grandfather, who he had heard it from his father before him. So his great uh, his great grandfather is the original source. And he swore by his tattoo. <laughs> and it kind of gets that weird, actually. You'll see. Um, this man was a man by the name of Solon. And he claims that Solon was unimpeachable, not, not capable of telling a lie. Solon, in, in real life, Solon is actually Plato's great, 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 great grandfather. So Solon was a real person that's brought up in the story. But like 500 directly, years before? Yeah, he is directly related to Plato, but he's, he's from way back. The story goes that Solon visited Egypt, specifically the city of Sai. One day, while speaking with his hosts, Solon began to speak to an Egyptian priest about Greeks' marvelous antiquity, but was quickly interrupted by the priest saying, quote, Oh, Solon, Solon, you Greeks are never anything but children, and there is not an old man among you. End quote. He continues to explain in the story that Greek was once the greatest existence the world had ever known, but the Greeks had been wiped out by floods and fire repeatedly over millennia. Before the greatest of all floods completely wiped them out, the laws and military deeds of Athens had been the greatest ever known. But that it was in the far distant past, and according to this Egyptian priest, that's 9,000, over 9,000 years ago. And this is at the time of Solon, which was Plato's great, 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 great grandfather. So you're looking at 9,000 years ago from that point. The greatest Athenian deed of all, according to the Egyptian priest, was its halting of the great sea power, Atlantis. <clears throat> Atlantis had ravaged Europe and Asia, and its empire was larger than Libya and Asia combined. This vast empire was located somewhere in the endless Atlantic Sea, in front of the straits of uh, the Greeks called the Pillars of Heracles, they sought to conquer and enslave Egypt, Greece, and all countries in the Mediterranean. But the Athenians, deserted by their allies and alone in this war, fought and defeated the invaders and freed all those within the boundaries of Heracles. Shortly thereafter, a large earthquake and flood not only destroyed Athens, but also sunk Atlantis within the same 24 hours creating impassable and impenetrable terrain of mud. Don't you hate when that happens? <clears throat> yeah, you, you got you to absolutely hate when that happens. Obviously, as well, uh, just to kind of interject, I am also summing down to the best of my ability an enormously long story with lots of details. But all of this is like kind of just the general point of the story. To say that the narrator at this point is unreliable would be an understatement. The story, if this particular telling is true would have had to pass through six generations of people completely error-free to be remotely reliable. It doesn't help that in the following book called Croesus, Plato also contradicts himself. In the first book, Croesus the speaker, the first book's name's Timaeus, but Croesus is speaking in both. In the first book, Croesus claims that he is speaking purely from memory and that he laid awake all night the night before to ensure that he did not forget a single detail. However, in the second book, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's like that, that, that feels like your brain would just start making up memories in a desperate attempt to Maybe not forget something. Maybe I just don't remember what it's like to not have a computer and like it's <laughs> right, way yeah. easier to do that than it is for mm. me to do that right now, but I don't know. <laughs> but in the second book, um, Cretius claims that he has Solon's notes and that he is speaking from the notes themselves. So immediately within his two works, Plato just contradicts himself instantly. One, it's a memory. One, it's notes. We don't have the notes, so we don't know if the notes ever existed. But the fact that he rewrote the story, kind of a, uh, rewrote it in a, in a different way in the second book, already kind of points to this Plato being maybe making something up. But even if we take the second story as true, that he did have the notes, we then have to believe that Solon didn't mistranslate or misunderstand any Egyptian when he was writing it in Greek, 
and that the priest was also 100% reliable and wasn't himself passing along a story that he may have been told. All that to say that the one and only source of reference of Atlantis is Plato, and even then, it's horribly unreliable. And the final point in this kind of preface is that all of this is also completely neglecting the context in which these two books were written. Plato at this point was kind of getting old, and before his life came to an end, he essentially was attempting to write theories on everything. He was literally trying to explain as much of the world, life, heaven, space, time that he possibly could, and his final works, Cretius, Timaeus, and so on, were his giant stabs in the dark, trying for him to kind of like put together what he believed to be a perfect world, how creation happened, et cetera, et cetera. It really was a final thought experiment for one of the greatest philosophers to ever exist. To say these books are written as historical fact would just be contextually incorrect. So that is important moving into this. There's a whole lot more, obviously, in these books about not just Atlantis, but everything. And that's the important bit. For any and all Atlantis hunters and Atlantis curious, it's essentially to know where Atlantis even comes from historically. So... With all that laid, if Atlantis was real, where is it and what happened? So the first set of places that I'm going to cover are places that still exist today. Places that, if they were Atlantis, changed over time, perhaps weren't even named Atlantis to begin with and were simply a civilization that had grown to, uh, grown to become a legend over the course of generations and then eventually kind of turned into Atlantis. Like Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. It's that's, that's the, that's where Atlantis is. We've known it this whole time. Hey, Atlanta. Dude, that is like one of the best, uh, Futurama jokes of all time. Is when they get only seen a couple episodes. They get Donovan to like do his Atlantis song, but he does it about Atlanta and it's just (laughs) incredibly great. Yeah. Um, Going into this too, my uh, another preface is even the researchers within this are constantly arguing with each other. Everybody has, seems to have their own pet theory, their own cherry picked facts to certain areas as to why they believe they're right. So in a lot, very similar to the UFO world, the Atlantis world of those who are genuinely trying to like use history to research it are filled with people who constantly kind of nitpick at each other's uh, own theories and there's not really a unifying belief here. So moving forward, understand that this is kind of an amalgamation of tens to twenties of, of people's different beliefs and research and shit kind of chiseled down to what I consider the, the best possible theories. So sorry, there's a lot of preface here, but it's important to distinguish last episode and this episode and what kind of to expect going forward. So places the, that if they were Atlantis that changed over time, there are a few such places that hold the most evidence for that today. And the first that we're going to cover are the Malta Islands. Though relatively small in size now, it's far from impossible that Malta thousands of years ago was a much larger landmass. We also know that somewhere between 3500 and 2500 BC, the Mediterranean's oldest known temple building civilizations lived right in the Maltese archipelago, predating the great pyramids of even Egypt. Um, have you any of you ever like seen Malta Island pictures or ever been in that area? I mean, I know what Malta is. I've never sure. seen, especially not ruins in the context of like temples on Malta. I don't know, sure. but I'm aware of Malta. Yeah, it's, it's a like a, place it's like south of Sicily. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, it's it's very close to Italy. Yeah, it's uh. Well, we're going to talk about that actually. I I, I have seemed... a thought. Nope, oh, go for a, it. Yeah, we're... I was just going to say it probably seemed a lot more exotic. You know, like non-globalized world, right? Sure. Yeah, I can but see that. But you have that, to imagine, like, during this time, I don't feel like we give the Greeks and Italians and, you know, like, the, the Egypt, like, it, the Mediterranean wasn't navigable. Like, they got around. Like, yes. oh, yeah. it wasn't okay. like it was a huge, I mean, it, you know, it's still a massive ocean. Like, it's a sea. But, like, they got around. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't too crazy. I, I'm... I'm curious what they're going to say, because literally sure. he said in what you stated earlier that yeah. he literally was like the um, Pillars of Hercules. I think he's what he said. Yes. Uh, the pill- that's so literally that's the huge- Straits of Gibraltar. That's like a known See, commodity. So that that's it, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But that's actually a, an interesting point, because according to different people who are searching the, that the Pillars of Hercules are maybe two or three different areas 
they're not necessarily the straights that drill balls. So I personally believe you. Literally, known, that's it what it's known as because in of history. Where located where Plato was. Like the Straits They're of the Gibraltar gateway to the Atlantic Ocean. Like yes, it makes it 100%. checks out. But you mo- if you just move certain details around, That's you can thing. have a whole other thing. Yeah, I got into this recently on some episode that we were talking about antiquity. But like, it's 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 a double edged sword because you you think about movies like Hercules, the Disney Hercules, or something sure. like that, where yeah. they're kind of like just mapping current society onto ancient Greece or whatever. And you're like, that's crazy. There's no way it was like that. That's like such a just comic comedy version of what it was like. And then you actually look at the ruins and you look at how society ran at that time. And you're like, no, like they call it civilization for a reason. Like we all kind of end up like people who live in a city now and people who lived in a city in ancient Greece, like there's a lot that's the same between the two lifestyles. Uh, But at the same time, a lot of the things that we rely on in our life today, like internet or something like that, uh, you know, things that give us like hard, fast definitions and answers. Like that's the big difference between now and then is that like the information wasn't like verified. It wasn't like whatever. So things like, Oh, the pillar of Hercules, obviously that's Gibraltar, which again, I agree with what Jesse's saying a hundred percent, but you know, Oh my God. (laughs) What's funny too is like Alex's picture is frozen. So we just hear like noise happening. My, Uh, uh, my, my little like thing that's attached to my microphone is like, for some reason, the wires like around my feet. But the thing that I'm saying is like, you know, it makes things so much less provable. And so multiples of things did like things like you think about today, like who started uh, the French dip, right? And there's like two places in LA that are like, yo, we're the, you know, sure, like, sure. we're the place that started the French dip, right? And the only reason that any argument is ever put to rest nowadays because we have it written down. But like back then in ancient Greece, if there was like 50 places that were like the original, this, they would all like everybody would believe all of them because you would never even probably well, see the other there's, ones. There's you know also I mean? the the interesting historical. I don't even know how to what you would call this, but the idea that. The Straits of Gibraltar being called the Pillars of Hercules. Mm-hmm. Is it one of those things where it was mentioned by Plato and then they named it the after it. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards, and it's only been, you know, two thousand some years. So we just like, oh well, that's what it is. But at the time they named like it's named because it represents what was already written down. You know, you mean you honestly. Do not know. It's it seems no, like it's an impossibility no way to know. know. Also, it's way off that, topic. Like, oh, no, go for it. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just go. What are we going to say? Go ahead. Oh, what's off I was going to talk about Alex mentioned the fact this is way off topic, but I have to bring this up. Uh, if you are interested in like ancient societies and how they ran and like. So there is a YouTube channel where this guy is a, a chef and he makes ancient Roman food. That's Ooh, really that's interesting. Cool. And so one of the things he did is he made ancient Roman French fries. And he's like, all right, Rome, Europe did not have potatoes. That's from the new world. So what they used are like tubers and shit. And they would like mm. cut them into fry shapes. And then the, the, the ketchup, cause they didn't have ketchup. What they would make was basically like a wine version of HP sauce. That's <laughs> great, actually. And so he was like, yeah, I made it. It's delicious. And I was like, this I is- love, I love that they were like, yeah, no, they would serve, they like definitely had fish and chips. Like, be aware. The, the Romans fucking had fry carts too. Like, yeah. that's so funny to me. Yeah. Just, like, we've said this on the show countless times, but humans have always been humans. And yeah. we've, oh, and like, even even the graffiti is some of my favorite shit of like ancient Rome graffiti and Greece graffiti. It's Cops like, suck. Wh- yeah. Yeah, yeah, like somebody sucked somebody's cock or uh, I was here, you know, like that yes. kind of shit, shit that we write today. One it's of, all the same. I love the, and this is again, super off topic in Star Trek when someone's like, it's years and years and years in the future. And someone's like, I could use a hot fudge Sunday. I always yeah, thought that was like, super yeah. endearing because it's like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I'm in space. It's a mess. I could use a hot fudge Sunday. I'm like, oh, that yeah. sounds exactly like how we would be. The thing that blew my mind was when I was at the Getty Villa and I saw a, a, I think I used this exact same example last time, but it was like a guy who makes coffins 
And one of the coffins is like open there to be at his shop and it has like ads on it for like deals for the coffins. And I'm like, <laughs> this is like a fucking smog shop. This is like a fucking shop up the street, like a body shop up the street. Yeah. Like it's the same shit. There yeah, were like we many of changed. them in the town. We all had like there's probably like Yelp even like on the like I'm fucking sure. what do you call those things where they post bills and shit. And, you know, it's, for it, a fact, the coffin dude also made the best coffee table and he like yeah, helped with sure. your fence. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Ancient civilization. Like if, you, if you're ever going to look at Atlantis, you're going to be forced to go into Greeks, ancient history. Just and it's it's so fun and it's so fascinating. Like Greek had like this period of literacy and then had a period of like a re dark age where they know like the whole society could no longer read or write for a few hundred years. And then they became literate again. Like it's it's fascinating, like what these ancient civilizations went through. Yeah. And definitely right. not us right now. Right. Definitely not, not us not getting <laughs> super literate in the Internet age. Right. Somehow oh, in the no. information age. All right. Moving forward. All right. So continuing with Malta, it also wouldn't be far fetched to think that the islands over time went through massive natural disasters over the many generations that would perhaps tick off the box of a flood wiping out the ancient civilization of Atlantis. Is Malta it's known to have had uh, a huge natural disaster? Uh, I think it was affected by, oh God, uh, none, none that matter like specifically to Malta being a convincing place beyond a few cherry picked facts. None that and matter. Out of the Ouch. area that we're going to, yeah, none, uh, that, are, the, none the, that matter. The, the the things that we're going to talk about, I think at Malta is my least like likely to be the place. Um, but none that I can none that were kind of like brought up in my research uh, immediately. There is there is a few that are going to come up later for other places, though. Um, the Maltese Islands also have matching colors on its beaches. If you remember last episode, we talked about the Atlantis having white, red and black rock and Malta matches that. But perhaps its biggest argument that Malta is indeed the place that Atlantis once rested is the infamous Malta cart ruts. Do any of you know what the Malta cart ruts are? Uh, are these no the things idea. off the coast that are like underwater? Yes, there are a few. So, yeah, basically, uh, the Malta cart ruts are pretty much as described. Small indentations in the soft limestone on the island that can be found between main, the main island and some of its satellite ones. They can be found running between temples as well as running directly into the ocean itself. Most believe that these are, as you probably would have guessed for yourselves, evidence of trading or moving materials, building materials and whatnot across its civilization and the different islands, uh, perhaps even bringing offerings to temples. You can actually see some pictures of them. Um, I will throw a picture or two in Twitter right now for you. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty mo- straightforward. Yeah, it's it's. Pretty interesting. I don't know if it means Atlantis, but it definitely means that at some point in the history of this right. island, like it was probably one whole island instead of sure. three, ti- like one big island, Agreed. one medium island, one baby island, right? Like at one yeah. point, it's probably yeah. a whole thing. And then, you know, disaster. Yep, I agree. Uh, I sent you a picture of what they look like just so you have them, um, but they're pretty much what you expect them to be. Yeah, it's, um, inter- it's super interesting. Yeah, they're they're around 4,000 years old to be believed. Um, and the more they traversed through the uh, through the soft limestone, the more that per- particularly became ingrained. So it's likely these were regular paths that people traveled constantly and they were pretty straight lines. <clears throat> However, those who believe Malta may have uh, very well been Atlantis believe that there's something else. If you remember in the first episode, I described Atlantis in great detail, thanks to Plato's incredibly detailed description with its concentric circles, canals, bridges and so on. Some believe that these cart ruts are actually evidence of early irrigation systems being put into place, that these were the uh, the systems specifically used by the Atlanteans themselves, but not calling themselves Atlantis at the time, of course. That's the biggest kind of like physical that evidence that Malta has. That is, is a super like it is 100 <laughs> percent like where a cart went multiple times. Yeah, there isn't like it was irrigation. Those. That's not how irrigation yeah. worked then no. or in the past. Like that just is. But if I brought you there in the year 1100 and I showed that shit to you and there was no way to cross check it. That was, and the, I was like, that was the irrigation. The people who live there would be like, we've done a terrible job. Like, there's no. (laughs) Right. I just mean, if you were like a dumb person from back then who didn't have access to the Internet and I was like, that was Atlantis. Look at that. Wouldn't you be like, 
whoa, that's Holy crazy. Shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if I was an idiot, yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're right. Cause I think I about that. Like, all, yeah. Well, like if you don't have the internet, you didn't have like an educational like you had today. Like I just, you know, I, I think about that yeah, all I the time see. that like mummies were like, like mummy, like fraudulent mummies were like a thing, like in yep. ancient Egypt. Yeah. You sure. know what I mean? Cause they were already old. Like yep. just think about it in those contexts, like tricking somebody about an the, ancient they civilization found that back then though. Like, my assumption was that Plato's story was like a tale, like an allegory about because the whole point of the books was like uh, why Athens That's, is like a great ass place to be. And correct. he was hyping up Athens. And the whole point is like at, there was this big empire and they were all a bunch of pieces of shit. They were so awful that the gods literally smote them. And Athens, who was like the beacon of free society, kicked their ass, and that was the moral of the story. It's it's a tale as old as time. It's fucking Star Wars. It's the evil empire yeah. taking over the, the galaxy and the rebel state of Athens all alone fighting them back. Yeah. It's like I mean, guy who didn't drink his milk told- having his arms come off. It's just like a cautionary <laughs> tale. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right, don't, yeah. don't exactly. be like this stupid ass people. You know what I mean? It's if just, we're going to talk about a- places in Malta, I want everyone to know this is very important. To this day, you can even go there. They have a complete and totally walk-aroundable set from the movie Popeye. That oh, shit. old-ass movie Popeye, Robin yeah, Williams Popeye. Movie. Yeah, the, the soundtrack the to Popeye city, the movie, so the, good. The city still exists. The city they built for oh. the movie. You can literally go there. It is an attraction. It has five stars. <laughs> 15,000 <laughs> reviews, five stars. <laughs> the people love it. I'm down. We should go one day, boys. I'd be down. I, if I, oh my god, if I went to Malta, I would be drunk and I don't want to do the entire yeah, time. I don't want to do any plans. I just yeah, t- no, wouldn't do any work. <laughs> I'm going to Malta. Like, I'm going to eat some sausages. I'm going to yes. nap. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Go find all like right, a weird right. goat somewhere, and they're like, I read if you an want article. to eat it, you must kill it. Like, all I read, right. an, I read an article that said that every hot dog that you eat takes 36 minutes off your life. Did you hear about that? Hey, what? Every what? The <laughs> Every hot dog that you eat, like some other foods, add the to your life. or something. I, I it's just a Dude, real bad, like it's a real bad four one. Corn, do- corn dogs like a week. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully you're eating some other stuff to add those minutes back. Well, yeah, yeah. I am. I mean, healthy stuff. You know, yeah. tonight was Brussels sprouts and chicken. There you so go. See? Oh. Yeah. See? All right, all right. So now we're getting to the point where Malta isn't necessarily the right place. There's some debatable evidence that Malta may be in the big totally stretch. If you, no. It could be Atlantis. But here's the evidence that kind of goes against it. First, as Jesse brought up, are the pillars of Heracles. While there's no consensus on exactly where the pillars lie, the majority believe that it's the Straits of Gibraltar. But there's uh, which would make debate, sense. Yeah. Which would make a whole lot of sense, especially in context of the story in Plato's life. As there, but there seems to be a debate about everything when it comes to Atlantis, even amongst those who are truly searching for it. And the closest place that could be considered the pillars is too far away from it to be the same one as spoken in Plato's works. It just what doesn't is, fit. Oh, 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 you mean from Malta? Yeah, from Malta. Right. It just does not fit for Malta. Additionally, there are mentions of mountains around Atlantis. However, the closest mountain to Malta is Mount Etna in Sicily. Maybe, perhaps at some point, Malta was connected to the boot of Italy before the, you know, before the eons, before it separated but and when, you know, waters yeah. rose. But, but even then, it wouldn't be surrounded by majestic mountains as Plato suggested. Now, granted, there is debate that the word he used, which is Montes, M-O-N-T-E-S, can be translated into hills. But even then, there's not enough there to suggest that Malta was surrounded by these glorious, quote unquote, hills. So while it's fun to think about, perhaps Malta is not the most convincing theory overall with very little to no physical evidence at its disposal. It requires a lot of stretches to connect, but there are, in my opinion, some better matches. Perhaps one of the best ones isn't a civilization that exists anymore, but did at one point exist. An ancient civilization discovered in 1900 that of Crete, specifically the discovery of the city of Gnosis. If this sounds familiar, it's because it was beneath the palace of Gnosis that King Minos had created the inescapable labyrinth that the half man, half bull, the legendary Minotaur would be put. If you're looking also, at it, it's Kenosis. Think of it that Kenosis? way. No, no, yeah, okay, it's Gnosis, but like it's Gnosis. Oh, okay. with a K. Oh, yeah. With a K. It's Kenosis. Gnosis with a K. Yeah, if you're looking K. it up. Yeah. 
This is also important with the Minotaur because the legend behind the Minotaur also ties in with Atlantis. Poseidon uh, had uh, had slept with King Minos' wife. Oh, yeah, it's his son. The, yeah, it's his son. The Minotaur, the Minotaur. is Poseidon's yeah. son. And so that was placed under this giant palace, and that's where he would be let loose. And the again, Labyrinth. Poseidon is the one. Yeah, the la- and it's, remember, Poseidon is the one that created Atlantis in the mythos that Plato put forward that we talked about last episode. Now, what was once legend, much like Troy, ended up being truth. The excavation of the Isle of Crete began March 23rd, 1900, and through its vast efforts, the large Palace of Gnosis would be discovered, and within a plethora of ancient knowledge, treasures, and maybe even a hint that Atlantis wasn't really Atlantis, but Atlantis was a reference to Crete. The building itself was huge, comprising of hundreds of rooms. This is the palace that sat in the center, uh, comprising of hundreds of rooms and within fragment and within those rooms, fragments of large wall paintings could be found, as well as large urns, a sophisticated plumbing system, more tablets inscribed with an unknown language at the time, chambers decorated with frescoes of griffins, all anchored by a carved gypsum chair that they eventually dubbed the throne room. Moreover, the theme of the bull seemed to be fucking everywhere. Engraved into gemstones, gold signets, and ceremonial bulls, uh, ceremonial bulls head-shaped vessels known as ritons, and in dramatic frescoes that covered the palace wall, one of the most famous, famous being the bull-leaping fresco. This shows a single bull and three youths, a woman at the front, the back, and a young male leaping over uh, the bull with them in between, kind of this weird bull leapfrog. And some believe that that was maybe a fun game that the kids played back then, which seems horrendously dangerous, but who knows? There were images of Minoans capturing wild bulls and some displaying wild bulls walking through the large palace openly, just as described in Plato's story of Atlantis, where they hunted wild bulls with staves and nooses. It's important to note that the Minoans in the pictures were hunting wild bulls uh, dis- uh, represented with giant nets. In addition, we are also near certain that there was some form of relationship between the Isle of Crete and Egypt, as Minoan pottery had also been found in Egypt, while images of long-haired visitors bearing, uh, wearing loincloths bearing gifts, were all, uh, which was a typical signifier of the Cretans, were found in, a to- in tomb paintings at the Theban necropolis, which may, may lead credence to the idea that the story of Atlantis came from a priest in Egypt, perhaps mistranslated or perhaps bore from a kernel of truth from the Isle of Crete that blossomed into this fantastic story over generations. Yeah, maybe just didn't know the name of it. It could be that simple. Or yeah, or telephone over the course of time, yeah. or this real story got just turned into this, this uh, kind of legend to teach kids you know, a certain lesson, et cetera, et cetera. Now, as for the natural disaster that destroyed this island in the city, well, we have something that might have done that. An eruption of Mount Thera, only about 70 miles away from Crete, did happen. An explosion that, mo- that some uh, scholars posit was four times more powerful than the eruption of Krakatoa. And Jesus. that after exploding would have sent huge chunks of earth into the ocean and sent enormous waves and earthquakes, essentially, quote, sinking the Isle of Crete and wiping out the majority of its civilization, becoming just a story to the Egyptians in the future, creating the Atlantis legend that we know today. So that's kind of in, in, in like a lot of the main like places to look. This is the one I would I would posit, at least out of what we know today. If Atlantis was a reference to a real place in some point in the story's journey through the history, I can definitely see it being something like the Isle of Crete, something that wasn't actually Atlantis, but eventually became Atlantis over time. It is close to Athens, close enough where you, they could have had like an actual war, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you look at Athens and compare and you talk about like, all right, well in the history of ancient Greece, you have like, oh, well, Troy would have been on the edge of what you consider Turkey. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, Athens is right there on the water in that whole area. They would travel back and forth on and, you know, Sparta is like further down and you can see how they would fight. And then Crete is sort of at the Southern tip of what you would consider most of Greece and right in between Turkey and Greece. And then like, just looking at the map, they're all those little islands and you have to imagine maybe there was more connection in the past 
And we all know that during different time periods, there were land bridges and things in places that yep. are not land bridges now. So, like, you know, for a story, it kind of feels sciency. Is it real? Who knows? But, like, if you look at a map, you can see, oh, maybe. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there's there's enough there that, granted, they could just be coincidences, that, but there's enough sure. there where it kind of sits in the right place. It's not too far from places. You're like, okay, maybe at some but point. But it's not fantastical. It is the most no. like down to earth version of the story that's like, 100%. yeah, no, there was just like a seafaring group of people and they were tough. And then the calamity occurred. And that was like it. We're, we're out of the Atlantis fantasy world, Jesse. We left that behind. Right, I but, promise. But the gone. idea of Atlantis being yes. in the Atlantic and mm. then the people of it, uh, of uh, Athens being like enough of this bullshit. Um, sure. Yeah, that seems like a huge stretch. And considering like what goes on in the Atlantic, you know, where would that even be? Yep. So yep. we don't know. So we got one more place that I want to look at before we move into uh, uh, one last up uh, kind of topic on this episode. The last physical place that actually exists, the final actual place that Atlantis could be that we'll be covering uh, is none other than back in Greece, specifically Santorini. Surrounding it beneath its waters were undeniably uh, circle-like formations that would fit the description Plato had put forward, which initially sparked interest in the potential connection to Atlantis. As the archaeologists began to survey the area, they came across an ash-covered field near the fishing village of Akrotiri, that's A-K-R-O-T-I-R-I, where they saw something beneath the landscape that intrigued them. The archaeologists then directed their team to dig in that location, and the laborers almost instantly began to recover Minoan-style architecture and pottery. Hmm. After, after six days of digging, they found large storage jars filled with remnants of wine and oil, kitchen utensils, loom weights, animal bones, frescoes, stone walls, and holes where disintegrated wooden beams had once held up two- and three-story buildings. What was initially a search, this initial search wasn't actually for Atlantis, but a lost city called Helike. But now, because of the discovery of these Minoan, um, these Minoan artifacts, it suddenly became connected to the Atlantis mythology. The theory is that this little area, this little, this specific part in Greece might be, quote unquote, proto-Atlantis, the place that existed before the Isle of Crete had been taken and had this huge palace built on it. That this is maybe where they originated from and then moved out into the sea and then uh, ended up colonizing or what have you, the Isle of Crete later. That's all that exists in Santorini as terms in terms of physical evidence that, ex that this is the place that it was. Um, there is similar looking rock. There's the red, the black, the white rock. There's, all places kind of have that. And there's the ringed structures under the water. But there's not much more than that because the ring structures, quote unquote, not they're not structures, but the ring formations under the water don't fit perfectly with how they're supposed to be in Plato's story. And so immediately there's already people who are not entirely sure. If that sure, was the but only sticking point, I would be like, yeah. oh, maybe this is it. But I mean, yeah, but there's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is an interesting city in, or city. Oh my God. Island. And that <laughs> yeah. it does. It is like the ring of a caldera of a volcano. Like it's Certainly. very obvious. This thing is like underneath that is a hole where something exploded at some point. Yep. Which is neat. And anyone who is interested in Santorini, uh, just, you know, every image you've probably seen of Greece where it's like houses on a cliff and it looks beautiful. That's what it is it's pretty much it. Yeah. Or if you play yeah. overwatch, Oh, that the Greek level in overwatch is yeah. literally yeah. that. Yep. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. So gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, but that wraps up our quick look at the three physical places that exist still today that have any evidence that they may have been a city that could have been Atlantis at some point. The next step we want to go into is that it was a potential. So the last things we want to talk about before going to the last big theory is that there's also um, a theory that Atlantis was also in reference to a semi-mythical city called Tartessos. Have you heard of Tartessos before? No, uh, never. Okay, cool. So Tartessos is a semi-mythical harbor city. Tartessos, T-A-R-T-E-S-S-O-S. Uh, it's a semi-mythical harbor city in the surrounding culture on the south coast of the Iberian Peninsula at the mouth of the Guadalquivir River. I'm just giving you a quick wiki explanation of what this place is supposedly. 
It appears in sources that from Greece and all the Near East, starting during the first millennium BC, Herodotus, for example, describes it as beyond the pillars of Heracles. Again, the, one of the bigger pieces of evidence that it may be sure. it was Atlantis. Roman authors tend to echo the earlier Greek sources, but from around the end of the millennium, there are indications that the name there are indications that the name Tartessos had fallen out of use, and the city may have been lost to flooding through several authors' attempt to identify it with cities of other names in the area. So the idea is that the history of Tartessos has since has been referenced in multiple pieces by multiple authors, much like Troy, very much likely existed in some form. And since it fits a lot of what Plato described as Atlantis in terms of, um, you know, uh, kind of hitting all the check boxes, being near the Pillars of Heracles, being wiped out by a flood, being a trading city near the port and a great water peoples, they believe that maybe Atlantis was actually just Plato taking Tartessos, renaming it for the purposes of his story, and just kind of repackaging it into his tale that he was telling in that moment. So wait, just kind of like to be, freshen it up. It would be yep. Yep, more Spain? Is that what you're saying? It's Yes, it's uh, over. You can actually show you a picture of where it is. Hang on, I'll, I'll give you a quick look, a quick clip. And why does it right say here. semi-mythical? What it, I mean, because it hasn't been discovered yet. But people just it's, wrote about it and they said that's the location. Of people who wrote about it, multiple authors, mm. Romans referenced it as well. There is there's references through it through all of ancient history. However, it's also very possible that it got wiped out by a flood at some point and what remains of the city are buried underwater where we can't get to them yet. Um, there's a picture of a map where it likely they believe it likely to be being to be huh. somewhere around there. Um, Interesting. And the final Kind of yeah, you just oh, like, kind of like looking through. There is like there is like water, kind of where, like that that there's like a inlet of water. Yeah, locus ling- water Ligus, ligustinus. Yeah, I again, the idea is that mm-hmm. it wasn't a separate, a separate full island, and that Atlantis was actually just a port city, like a point a port place that got wiped out by a flood, and then Plato just kind of. Sprinkled some, some white lies, movie magic. It. Yeah. A little yeah. embellishment. Yeah. Exactly. Literally, just some embellishment and moved on. Um, some less credible stuff. There are people believe that the Antarctic is actually uh, Atlantis and that at some point thousands of years ago, Earth uh, wasn't in the position that it was and that the poles were actually more along the equator at that point. And then slowly over, slowly over time, the Earth kind of like tilted and the Arctic became. Uh, the extreme north and south of the planet and got cold and that the actual Atlantis is maybe one of those. What evidence they have of that is extremely small to basically non-existent. Um, So we're going to move on now to the very final thing. The the thing that people have reached out to me the most about between this week and last week, a thing by the name of the Rycat structure. Do you know what the Rycat structure is, gentlemen? Is this the one off the coast of Florida? No, this is in the Sahara Desert. Oh, okay. All right, let's oh, go. Is this the thing that... Are, so, I I think I know what this is. So, there is... Okay. I have no idea if I'm correct in this, but it looks like from... If you're, like, looking from above, like a satellite image, in the mm-hmm. desert, it looks like um, either a meteor impact or something, but it literally mm-hmm. looks like it has the concentric oh, rings, Yep. but it's are, made out of dirt in the desert. Yep, 100. This is exactly what we're talking about. Um, some people came up, came forward and was like, this is like a new thing that people have discovered. Unfortunately, for those people who believe it's new, it kind of picked up popularity again in 2018, around a time a couple videos were released that really hyped this place up. However, the Rycat structure has been known, it's existed and knows what it's been about since 1965. Um, countless videos, articles, theories ranging from aliens to natural happenings surround the Rycat structure. And I can see why it's so intriguing. This structure initially discovered in 65 is an enormous bullseye, also known as the eye of the Sahara. What's so intriguing about it is twofold. On the scientific side, it's still somewhat of a mystery. What was initially thought to be an impact crater was found to have too little melted rock around it for that to be the case. And on the Atlantis side, it contains concentric circles similar to those spoken about in Plato's tale. However, just because something is still a mystery to science, doesn't automatically make it proof that it's a fact in a conspiracy. That's important to know, knowing going into this. This theory essentially is a conspiracy theorist starting package. It gathers together lots of circumstantial evidence, blows out, blows out its important and, and emphasizes certain aspects 
and goes on to ignore anything that doesn't fit. And most importantly to any conspiracy theory, ignores all genuine scholarship to create the illusion that you're onto something. The idea is to create enough smoke to convince yourself and others that there is definitely a fire. The argument is essentially that the Reichat structure, or the Eye of the Sahara, fits Plato's description of Atlantis so well, it essentially amounts to proof. Right. The biggest, the biggest piece of provided evidence is that the Eye of the Sahara is a series of concentric rings that precisely matches Plato's description of Atlantis. Unfortunately, the only simple fact that is both are concentric rings, which is not unlikely at all to happen naturally in nature. They do not match up with Atlantis's map provided by Plato, and this is a great example of interpreting a general sim- a general similarity following basic geometry as if it were a specific match. Concentric rings are not uncommon in nature, as there are several na- natural processes that cre- that can create them. Impact craters obviously are one of them, but this Reichat structure is not an impact crater. It is an eroded dome of magma. While the theory admits that it is a natural structure, it gets around this massive problem by simply claiming that the Atlanteans built their city into the natural formation of the rings. That's what I would do if I found this perfect. It's the perfect Minecraft uh, tactic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The theory further has to use some creative imagination to argue that the Reichat structure, if it were fed by rivers and therefore filled with water, would have two rings of land and three rings of water. But that is not remotely obvious at all. The rings are not discrete, not complete in places, and it's unclear how water would fill the structure if you were to fill water. You could count four rings of water if you look at the structure as a whole in a particular way. And while the return argument is it is impossible to know how the structure may have looked hundreds or thousands of years ago, You have to keep in mind that same argument can then be mirrored back at you. The evidence leans in favor of science, not that of conspiracy. This is also an example of ignoring details that just don't fit your narrative. Plato also described a canal that ran through the walls to the inner structure connecting rings but no such canals are remotely evident on that photo or in the, uh, the evidence of the, of the Rycat structure. The theory argues that the size of the Rycat structure also matches Plato's description, which, after translation, is approximately 23 kilometers. However, since discovering uh, the, the uh, Rycat structure, NASA puts the size of the structure at 45 kilometers, well, well larger than Plato's initial uh, wording. Further is the dating of the death of Atlantis from 11,600 years ago, quote, precisely, that this matches the date of something by the name of the Younger Dryas. If you don't know what the Younger Dryas is, the Younger Dryas is a comet disintegrating into Earth's atmosphere, which was a climactic event which took place between 12,900 and 11,700 years ago. This event was basically a temporary return to the glacial condition on our planet with decreased average temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere. It primarily affected the Northern Latitudes and North America more intensely. Theorists claim that an event that lasted 1,200 years precisely matched an event that was supposed to have happened in one day, 100 years after the Younger Dryas ended. So even trying to match up the times of the fall of Atlantis in this natural disaster that would have happened around this time are off by around 100 or so years. Moreover, scientists and researchers say say there is no reason to think that the Younger Dryas affected the equatorial regions of the planet, and the Reichat structure is at 21 degrees latitude. So really, it was in the wrong place and at the wrong time for the Younger Dryas to be significant whatsoever. But Atlantis! I know. It's another forced thing to fit into into the story that's not entirely all that compelling. All this also ignores, ignored Plato's description that the city was wiped out by an earthquake in a single day and sank into the Atlantic. Next is the idea of the surrounding geography, that there were mountains to the north, the city was surrounded by flat plains and open to the Atlantic Ocean to the south. Yes, there are mountains to the north, but this is hardly an amazing match. 
Surrounded by flat plains is not much of a precise description. Surrounded by how much, what kind of geography. And the Rycat is in the Sahara. So there is, so there is desert sands where there, uh, where there aren't mountains. They're not really plains, nor is it surrounded by them. But an even worse force fit through this is the opening to the ocean. The idea refers to a sand drift to the southwest, which is somewhere around like more to the west. Um, but however, this is not south. It also doesn't open up to the ocean, which is to the west. He ha- the, the theory has to imagine that this part of the Sahara was flooded by the Atlantic 12,000 years ago. That also solves the problem of the Rycat not being on an island. Perhaps it was back then, but it did not, uh, but it did not sink so much as become landlocked. So yeah, you can make something sort of fit if you're willing to make stuff up as needed. The evidence that we currently have says that the Sahara Desert is at least several million years old. Yeah. There is no evidence that the West, that Western Africa was underwater thousands of years ago. And ignoring fatal problems like this is a classic feature of pseudoscience and conspiracy theory. It is also significant that there is absolutely no evidence of a city in the Rycat structure from 12,000 years ago. Plato wrote about an advanced large city. Where is the archaeological evidence of the civilization built by Atlantis? Where are the remains of a city's worth of artifacts of the technology, even a shard of clay pot? Anything. But there is no evidence of engineering, no walls of any kind, or any improvements to the natural structure of people living there. You simply cannot have an entire city and leave zero behind. I mean, we talked about the city of Troy. The city of Troy was buried under seven different civilizations that existed on top of it over time, but it was still there. So if, if the Rycat structure is in Atlantis, what is it then? Well, scientists still have questions about the eye of the Sahara, but two Canadian geologists have a working theory about its origins. They, and I'm going to take two Canadian geologists' word over anybody who dives on the internet for what? theories. Just, and really, know, crazy and really who wouldn't? I know, crazy time to be alive. They think that the eye's formation began more than 100 million years ago, as the supercontinent Pangaea was ripped apart by plate tectonics in what are now Africa and South America were being torn away from one another. Molten rock would have pushed up toward the surface, but didn't make it all the way, creating a dome of rock layers like a very large pimple. This also created fault lines circling and crossing the eye. The molten rock also dissolved limestone near the center of the eye, which collapsed to form a special type of rock called breccia. A little after 100 million years ago, the eye uh, violently erupted. That, that, collapsed the bubble, that collapsed the bubble partway, and erosion did the rest of the work to create the eye of the Sahara that we now know today. The rings are made of different types of rock that erode at different speeds, and the paler circle near the center of the eye is volcanic rock created during that I mean explosion. it looks it looks totally natural it doesn't look yeah like if you really like if you zoom out you're like whoa that's crazy but then you just zoom in and you're like oh no no that's yeah. just fucking like water that did that and even then the people who have gone in there because again they believe Atlantis like lived in these natural structures there's zero evidence that any humans ever did anything down there there's no evidence of cities or mining or chipping away there's nothing it's just a giant bubble in the middle like you can imagine seeing it from space like this giant kind of bubble bubbling up from uh, from Africa and over millions of years, it eventually collapsed on itself. And because it formed all those different rocks and they erode at different speeds, you get those rings because they're different types of rock. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Um, but that, in essence, brings us to the end of what I will call our scientific side of the Atlantis episode, gentlemen. <laughs> While there are tons of other theories out there that have Less evidence than what I presented you now, but if you, you know, like it's in the Black really, Sea or yeah. it's like, you know, in the Bermuda Triangle or all the different things. There's, there's even theories where like they the reason that he, it said 9000 years is because it was a mistranslation that followed a mistranslation. And if you, it was actually 900 years and then you do the math, then it fits better. And like that's the kind of theories that you're really looking at when you dive into Atlantis. So if you want to know more. That's what you're in for. I would highly, again, recommend for our sources, the Atlantopedia, which was a it super just great. It seems kind of like this- a meme, doesn't it? It just seems like an old ass meme. They're like, yeah, this is old as like you say, like, you know, you know, now we have Batman and shit. So it's like right. branded. Yeah. But back then, you know, it's just Atlantis. 
And uh, another shout out to the book Meet Me in Atlantis by Mark Adams. For anybody who's interested in just the history of Atlantis, this book is just such a freaking good read. And he's just it's an easy one. Uh, really, really fun. But I will say, stepping away from this, if Atlantis existed, I am in the camp that it was likely the Minoan I- the Empire, like the Isle of Crete that was just likely translated and passed along and just got warped. And whenever Plato heard of it, he either decided, like you said, do you know, Hollywood movie magic it up a little bit, or he was told it as a story and just passed the story along. But I hope you feel a little sated now that we've done a history version of Atlantis and uh, you don't feel as crazy as you did in the first episode, gentlemen. No, I mean, I mean, you still feel you feeling feeling better, Jesse. Dude, please. I love when we get (laughs) knowledgeable on this show. I have a great time. Certainly. Like, look at the Rosicrucians that I was talking about during the Greenstone episode, right? Like, jokes aside about the Greenstone, like, the Rosicrucians, right? Everybody was like, yeah, they're real, dude. And then if you, like, go back and you read the real thing, it's like, yeah, these guys are, like, made up to, like, show a point. Mm -hmm. And, like, the fact that it's gotten this far that, like, people today believe that they were real, even though, like, in the primary fucking source, it's like, this is fake, yo, this is fake. You know, it just opens that door of, like, when it really is harmless, when it's really not, like, somebody trying to make a buck, like, yeah. the idea of information yeah. spreading like that just because it's a cool idea or it's just, like, a great story. Like, think about how many times you've re- retweeted an article without reading it. Just think sure, about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the last thing I think I want to leave, like, in, in terms of, like, Atlantis is just, it's just, like, once you realize that Atlantis came from a book where it was already, like, sixth generation information being passed down, and you kind of take that at its word, it's a bit crazy. Um, the other thing, too, that I didn't really touch on too much is that Plato was known to kind of write in code a lot of the time. Um, just kind of like mathematical code and like lessons and stuff. But that was the, 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 the theorists take that to the extreme with Atlantis and think that his Atlantis story in, in the story of Atlantis coded in his messages is the real location of Atlantis. And you need to like figure out what code he's using, what crypto language he's using to try and like pass along his lesson. And that's just an even further stretch of insanity. If you ask me, this is my opinion. But um, as much as I love the crazy world of like crazy shit, Atlantis is one of those things that's even too far gone. For and me. just to, as a reminder to everyone, historical reminder, <laughs> Plato was like one of Socrates boys. Yes. And time. Socrates was killed for corrupting the youth. <laughs> yes, <So he> was. <laughs> saying, oh, this dude definitely was speaking in code. Could very well be true. I mean, maybe he don't want to be killed for corrupting the youth. So, yeah. you know. I mean, that's very, very, very true. And I think that's an actual like thing that people talk about. Um, but that was great. Thank you guys so much for letting me go through our crazy Atlantis uh, double parter. I'm so glad I that, that Atlantis has been done. It was a really fun topic to research. Uh, next week, we have a guest coming on the show, everybody. Woo. Uh, with a special, a special topic that is going to be. More along the lines of like Tamam Shud, I think. So it's not the Greenstone like part mystery, three, just so you guys, you know, no, you conspiracy it is not theorists. Michael Rapper as he's not coming from a video game apocalypse. I don't not believe yet. that from, I am <laughs> always concerned that at some point you're going to be like, and that is where we arrive at the old house. Now in that, I'll be like, oh, when that happens, I'm going to let you know, I may have to do it like a get up and walk around. I'm going to get you so good when it happens. I'm very I'm worried. Excited, I'm so I'm good at this. To- Trust me. <laughs> I'm ready. It's almost as if this whole thing has been a giant ruse of some kind. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, now you've got me curious. Now you got me curious. Uh, Hey, it is the end of August, guys. And in a couple of months, at the end of October, October 26th, to be precise, we are going to be doing a live show out in L.A. Go to Illuminati Pod. Yeah, it's going to be such a good time. Go to IlluminatiPod.com. You can go get your tickets right now. We don't got many left. We would love to see you. And hey, here's the the truth. Honestly, real talk. You don't even have to come to the show. Just buy the tickets so we can say we sold out and I would be like real pleased. That would be just for bragging rights. Like, I don't even care if you like, I don't even care if you're there. (laughs) Are you a rich prince from somewhere? Just buy some tickets. Just throw some money down. What's the point of not (laughs) doing it? You're so wealthy. Why not? (laughs) You just click a button and somebody else's live change across the world who you love. (laughs) Patreon.com slash Simone Pod. Check it out. All right, we got a mini so to go do. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another exciting one. We love you and goodbye. Anyway.
me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here! So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky. 